0: Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that serves as the go-to resource that is a sexual hub of communication resources for people who are navigating stigma to communicate about their sexual health. Uh, right now, there is a survey up and running for people who are living with HSV. If you can go and take that right now, I would really appreciate it. That can be found at www.spfpp.org survey. When you click the clip to go to the survey, There is a tiny blue box. If you are taking this from a mobile device, there's a tiny blue box that you will see to the right of your screen. I don't know why it does this, but you have to press that. And then it will take you to the consent form and you'll be allowed to begin the survey. I apologize for the inconvenience. The organization that we got the survey through is not able to fix that. Um, And at this point, if they did, we'd probably lose all the data that we have. But at this point, we're at about 400 responses, which we are looking to get to about 2,000 before um, the end of the year. So I think we can do that. We got 1,100 in a couple of months in 2021 when I did this, considering the size of the audience has grown and there's a lot more active participation. I think we can get more, all right? And uh, support groups are weekly for Patreon subscribers. You can go to patreon.com slash SPFPP. We meet Mondays at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And the fourth Monday, of the month is open to anyone who um, is not a member as well all right now we got that out of the way I have a very very special guest here Marla Stewart <laughs> and I want to before I let you introduce yourself mm-hmm. I want to first thank you for the experience of Sex Down South mm-hmm. From me reaching out, I meant to look at the message I sent you, but I was panicking because somebody told me, you should apply for this. You should try to be a speaker. And I remember you opened it up. You told me you got an hour to apply, <laughs> submit your application, and then you were closing it again. I was like, oh, I'm to do this. And I was just so <laughs> thankful that you were willing to do that. So I very much appreciate it. I was able to get in. I was able to make it out there. And I had a very wonderful experience that I'll speak about after I let you introduce yourself how you would like to be introduced
1: yeah absolutely and I'm happy you applied too I think you know Jess is one of my good friends so if it wasn't for Jess it was like you need Courtney there you know I was just like okay you 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 better hustle and get this in Uh, but anyway uh, for those of you who don't know me my name is Marla Renee Stewart I am a, a certified sexologist and sexual strategist I help people with their sex lives um, I specialize in seduction, communication, enhancing people's sex skills, and I'm particularly catered to folks in alternative sexual communities like kinksters, LGBTQIA folks, swingers, uh, non-monogamous folks, um, and uh, and yeah, that's a little bit of me there.
0: Yeah, and uh, we're supposed to do this podcast. A little while later, but then I just so happened to find out you were important. <laughs> so I moved back here two ish weeks ago and I met up with an old friend that I met uh, through rope classes. She's big into uh, rope uh, and we let each other know when things are going on. Mm-hmm. So we met up for lunch just to catch up and she mentioned that you and Luna were here for the kinky topless class and I was like, how you know that? Like, what? Hold on. <laughs> and so when she told me, I hurried up and pulled my phone out and emailed you. And I was like, hey, if you want to do this in person, we can. So um I'm glad we were able to make this happen. So now we can do hopefully some video stuff and like yeah. make little clips out of it as well. Um so I had three main points that I wanted to cover with you. Mm-hmm. Uh Sex down <laughs> south, that experience. Uh, as well as what got you, like, how did you even start this? The mm-hmm. second point is speaking to your background in public health mm. um, and more so segueing into herpes stigma mm-hmm. from a public health perspective. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing was kink as a treatment for trauma because mm. that was probably one of the most mind-blowing experiences that I had at South um, Sex Down South when I was in Honest Lene's class and they had said that, I was like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: oh, okay. So uh, for starters, I wanted to share this. So you and I were talking a little bit before this and you mentioned uh, how something like sex down South can be a little bit, you know, to a straight man or a straight black man. Did mm-hmm. you, Was that what you said? I don't want to mix your words Yeah.
1: Up. Yeah. You know, for, I think sometimes straight people might get a little overwhelmed by how queer, it is and so if they're not used to queer people sometimes it's just and we center queer queer you know folks so i think sometimes people are kind of when when they're not the center you know sometimes that affects people in 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 different ways
0: yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. Um, I know what you mean, Mm. because there was a workshop there by Mango Love called Mm. Worshipping a Black Man's Body. Mm. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh, that's probably not for me, like thinking I shouldn't go to that class. Mm. And when I got there, I was like, oh, this was actually like centering black men like it didn't matter straight queer mm-hmm. anything else it was just like one of the first things she had us do was stand up in the middle i think there were like nine of us in there mm-hmm. and uh maybe 30 people who weren't black men mm-hmm. uh and she had everybody <laughs> there were roses on the tables mm-hmm. and without giving away her whole workshop she had people take rose and walk up and give it to one of us and like say something positive give us a hug oh
1: wow we sat
0: back down she asked us how did y'all feel like everybody was like uncomfortable like mm. everybody was just like oh that's, it feels so weird mm. and with again without giving her workshop away like the time that we spent in there like learning Uh, Hearing from other black men Not just from the sense of Like sexuality but more so Intimacy Mm. and like the discomfort With intimacy in this Foreign way of receiving Mm. So with that Background I can now say from my Experience walking out of that I realized how much of a struggle it has always been for me to receive. But coming into this queer environment where I think most straight black men would probably have been uncomfortable or overwhelmed even. Mm. I think that was nothing compared to the discomfort of like the emotions that were Mm. stirred up from this idea of people giving Uh, and being able to go into this space and like ask for what you want and see the intentionality like those were more uncomfortable things for me than seeing anything else that you Mm, want so that to say like is that kind of what the intention of sex down south is Mm. besides from just you know the theme being sex in the way that people generally view sex
1: yeah the theme really is around stretching people right really pushing people i i I am a a, am a pusher you know what i mean so like i think that stems from from me and um and in even tia tia sometimes gets a little uncomfortable with being pushed and for me i'm like people need to be pushed because they need to see they need to experience something new. They need to explore something new about themselves. And that's what Sex Down South is. You know, you can go into all sorts of different workshops and stretch yourself a little, you know what I mean? Like my wife, you know, she hasn't been to the last couple of conferences. And, but I remember when she went to her first conference, you know, I was like, do something that stretches you. She's like, okay, fine. You know, she's like, you know, she does she doesn't do anything like, I, if we go to anything, it's because I want to go, you know what I mean? And so she's like, I went to the fisting class, you know, and she was like, it was actually a pretty good class. <laughs> she's like, but it you know, she was like, yeah, it was, there was a lot going on, you know? And I was like, I get it. I get it. But also you learn something new, you know, and even if you don't want to do that thing, right, like there is an opportunity to learn something new, to stretch yourself, to see how you can be in what kind of environment. And so I think that's really for anybody. Um, We really try to push people to get out of their comfort zones so that they can explore something new about themselves. And I think that's been working for us well you know we um there was an email we just got from a heterosexual couple and you know they said this was the first time we could actually go to the bathroom together and like do what we needed to do and then come out of the bathroom together and she was like Although this doesn't seem like a big deal, like it was a really big deal for us because, you know, it wasn't sort of like we go into our little silos, you know, it's like, you know, we did the thing and it was okay. And we came back out and in and, and something just as small as that, like just having, you know, gender neutral bathrooms or just having bathrooms that, you know, you can go into and not be, you know, policed around. I think is, is important, whether you're straight or not, you
0: know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, just the simplicity of something like that really stretches even just the perspective of a person that, you know, might not have otherwise attended this conference or something like it. Um, I wanted to bring you into this space and sort of expose my community that I'm working with to this sort of... Uh, environment because I think that so much of our how do I want to say this I think that something positive for positive people as a podcast Mm -hmm. has also created this sense of comfort for people who might be navigating herpes stigma Mm -hmm. to the point where on a weekly basis this is really what they feel like they need they wait for the next podcast episode to release and they get like that little hit of whatever it is that they need Mm -hmm. to make it to the next week Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for Mm. almost seven years now. And I can't imagine, like to me, that is the equivalent of waiting on a cure. And I can't Mm. imagine what my life would have looked like for the last seven years, waiting for a cure for herpes before Mm. I started living my life. Mm. So to me, what stretching myself outside of this bubble of comfort that is being within the herpes community or exclusive herpes support, it looks like venturing off into other things that demonstrate other aspects of sexuality and in doing so like it's even brought me into this realm of like emotional connection and Mm. vulnerability and intimacy and even being able to see like looking at how other people engage with other people and, like, learning things from that as well. So all of that to say, you know, your space has created such value to me that I'm able to bring my own lived experiences into this community and hopefully, like, have some people go, hmm, maybe I want to attend a workshop
1: Mm -hmm. or
0: learn something or stretch myself in some way. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's the kind of influence you have in case you haven't heard it today. <laughs> yeah but no i appreciate it and yeah thank you for creating that and so um the initial intention with the first sex down south like can you recall those days like what oh, yeah. creating that?
1: yeah absolutely i you know um well the the story really is about tia and i right so tia had recruited me for an event um, that she was doing. Um, so she was doing production of different events and it was a black sexuality, black women's sexuality magazine. So she had, I guess, Googled, Googled and I popped up and she was like, Oh, she fell in love with my bald head is what she says. (laughs) And so, um, I, uh, was like, yeah, I'll do a workshop. Of course, you know, i want to be a part of this event. Um, and then she was like, what are these aphrodisiacs you have on your site? And I was like, yeah, I have these aphrodisiacs, you know, and she's like, I want to buy, I want to buy them all. So she did. And she was like, oh my God, they work. They're so good. And we just became, it was just kind of like, we were connected. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, but we were just, we got to know each other. And, um, so we were like, we should do something together. And, um, I was like, well, my birthday's coming up. And so we did, um, she's like, how about a carnival? So we did a carnival for my birthday at my house. We had 200 people at my house. I had a Mexican rock band. I had um, flame flame dancers. I had uh, you know cherry pie eating contest. We were dancing, barbecue, fried Twinkies, and fried Oreos. I had a mobile spank booth. We had a tube of love is what we called it. It was just like this hula hoop with a, a, a fabric hanging from my tree. And then somebody would go inside and I would call hands and people would come up and, and touch the person who was inside. And so it was just like a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we kept doing events like that. We had an Empowering the Pussy Party, and No Pants Prince Party, like all sorts of stuff. And then we were like, we were on my couch, you know, one day like this. And we were like, oh, well, I, wanna, I wanna do something bigger. And I was like, I wanna do like a three day conference. You know, I'm coming from the more academic educator side, um, more science, you know, research side. She's coming from more enthusiast side, right? Like, she's like one of the people who, you know, the non monogamous people I'd be teaching to do an oral sex workshop or something. You know what I mean? Like, we were coming from both of these angles. And so I was just like, I wanna do a conference that is just like both of us, you know? um and so that's you know she was like sex down south and i was like yes and we just didn't know how to run a conference so i grabbed got a mentor i um we just started doing our research and the next we were like recruited a team you know we were like okay we're gonna go in as a business on this people were like i'm out So with the two hundred dollars that we had we made it happen and i mean i can't tell you it's nothing short of black girl magic because we had no money and we were like how are we going to put this conference on um we ended up getting an av sponsor so someone helped with av i was in grad school at the time at georgia state so i was getting equipment from georgia state like i we hustled to like make it happen and it was beautiful. And so here we are, you know, with our baby nine years later.
0: I thought it was 10. Or, 10 years next not, year. Can, are we not counting the pandemic, like skip a year or something? No. Oh, okay. No,
1: this is our ninth year. So 10, 10 years uh, is next year. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so our first concert was 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Okay. Coming out of whatever you're, like, what were you doing before the conference? Is that like... Where, where was your public health background? Ah, well, uh, yes. of make that transition. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So um, for me, I was in graduate school. And while I was in graduate school, I started my business, Velvet Lips. Um, so it was Velvet Lips Sex Ed. And that is basically, like I said, helping people, doing workshops, doing one-on-one coaching, uh, couples coaching, relationship coaching. And um, so while I was in graduate school, um, I was in graduate school for sociology. But uh, I had a friend that was like, you need to go to public health because the the graduate research assistantships pay more in public health. So I was like, great. So I applied, I got in, best thing I could have done. So I was a GRA um, in the School of Public Health. Um, working in the community research center. And so um, I was able to get all of my training and everything. So I became um, an HIV educator, uh, tester. I'm a phlebotomist, some certified phlebotomist, uh, taking people's blood. Um, and we used to do outreach and recruitment around public health. So that was, um, and of course, I, you know, took some classes and things. So Um, So that was my background. And then I also had colleagues who were in epidemiology. So I'm also soaking up all of the information that they're giving me while I'm in grad school about all the different, you know, all the the different um, uh, STDs and STIs and like, you know, like all, all of the stages and all of the things. And I think I also had some of that educator background already, but it really enhanced with the public health knowledge because pub the epidemiology actually goes into sort of the, 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 the stages of syphilis, right? Like Mm -hmm. you don't get that in a pamphlet. Um, when you go to any clinic, you know, it doesn't say step one, you know, you're going to have a sore. Step two, your palms, like you're going to get rashes on your palms and feet. Step three, you're going to get alopecia or lose your head. Like it doesn't give you those things. Um, and so I think that was really, really helpful for me to navigate my everyday life. I was also bartending, um, at a restaurant. You a hustler. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's like having my friends and, and, and also seeing these different signs and things and being like, hey, I think you got to go get tested. You know, this is actually a symptom of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I um, yeah, so that's sort of my, my background knowledge behind that.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like you have not only the pleasure perspective and background in education, but also the safety, for lack of a better (laughs) word, uh, Mm -hmm. education. What does a blend of these two educational components really look like? And just Mm -hmm. for a little bit more background on my asking, uh, when we talk about safety and in the public health field, it's wear condoms, get tested, know Mm -hmm. your status. That's all we pretty much get. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then from the pleasure perspective, I think that when we take more of a pleasure angle, it seems to, I don't want to say completely be avoidant of the safety uh, protocols, but I think that there's like a happy medium here. And I think that maybe you would be the person to exchange some dialogue with uh, to, to see what bridging that gap looks like between safety and pleasure, because I think that people say things like, oh, I don't want to talk about SCIs or testing because it kills the mood. Mm. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, but this is so hot. Let's not ruin the moment. So there's kind of like a
1: mm-hmm.
0: a barrier between the two, like that mm-hmm. implies you can't have both. What can you say to that?
1: i can say that's bullshit (laughs) that you can't have both um because i've been in that situation right so i've been with partners who've had herpes i've been with casual partners who've had herpes i've had um and i think the the and i think part of that is personal my personal experience also lends to that i think when people can't speak to that from a personal experience um i think it's harder to understand because when they say something like oh when you you know we let's have the you know sti conversation it's going to kill the mood absolutely not right absolutely not um it does not kill the mood like if you're in the mood you're in the mood right and what do we need to do to like keep going in this mood you know so um for me it was important uh it's always been important to have that conversation and be upfront about it um to uh because of my background, you know, having the the knowledge uh, around HSV one and two and all of that stuff, um, uh, and uh, I'm so sorry, I I had a flashback oh. of college. I um I was in theater. Oh. <laughs> we kind of <laughs> talked about this earlier. <laughs>
0: So for background, uh, <laughs> for background. So, uh, Marla and I were just talking on the way to starting to record, and I mentioned what my jobs were uh, outside of here, my part time jobs. And I work with a bunch of actors as a standardized or simulated patient at medical universities. And I mentioned, like, yeah, you know, I think I'm learning. The more I talk to them, like, the more kinky they are, too. And she was like, ah, yeah. And now here we are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, when I was in theater, I had a comedy um we had a comedy art of comedy class and we all had to perform a song like do a parody of a song and my song was um uh i got herpes too uh with christina aguilera um what's that song all i want is you all okay. I want is you. That song by Christina Aguilera. So yeah, so my version of it was: I got herpes too, not number one, baby. I got herpes too, you know it itches like crazy. I got herpes too, oh baby, don't be shy. You better cross the line. I'm gonna love you, boy, and give herpes to you. Oh, no, I mean. I, I mean I know that was awful, but (laughs) but it's an art of comedy class, you know, it was, you know, it's, you know, for jokes and shit. So anyway, um, you know, it was just, uh, sorry, that was the flashback. But all that to say, like, I think it's super important just to, of course, have those conversations um, and then just know, like, hey, what are the things that we need to do to make this happen? Because, i really want to touch your body. I really want to, you know, what, what do we need to do? And, um, and like I said, I've had long-term partners that, um, that have had herpes. I've had, um, short casual stints. Um, and I think navigating that, um, it's it's really about putting your mind at ease. I think when I have clients who maybe are newly contracted herpes or or have had herpes and are are still kind of really struggling, um, it's the the sense of like my body isn't mine anymore. You know, it, it's it's it. For some people, it has been like such a chokehold on them. And then I have clients who are like, uh oh, It's just, you know, it's part of who I am and like, here we are, you know, and I don't know what, why some people get really, really affected and why some people are kind of like, you know, it is what it is, you know, like, and that's okay. And I think like, as a person who does not have herpes, right, it's sort of like, I'm, I can't, like, I don't know. It's hard for me, you know, to be like, how do I, how do I help someone get in a mindset? Cause I'm like, I don't, I don't give a shit, you know, like I would partner with you if I'm attracted to you. Like, you know, like I don't. That's
0: a So that's a really big deal that you brought up mm-hmm. and I try to dance around saying it, but I do believe that so much of it is how attracted is this person to you? Like. For many of the people that I speak with who are like, oh, I got rejected for having herpes. Oftentimes it's like, well, one, were you even really attracted to that person? Mm. and Were they really attracted to you? Because there's so many people who don't care. Mm-hmm. And they meet people with, all right, well, what do we need to do in right. order to minimize the risk? Right. Um, because, yeah, like there's so many different responses that people can give when someone's like, all right, yeah, I want to move forward with you. You need to know that I have herpes. Mm -hmm. and here's what things might look like moving forward Mm -hmm. uh a lot of it whether or not so uh i'm looking at the survey results that are coming in as we speak and Mm -hmm. one of the questions is of the number of of your disclosures how often percentage-wise would you say a relationship has moved forward sexually more than at this point in time with about 400 responses 30% of people moved forward more than 90% of the time with the person that they disclosed to. Mm. So... That kind of, I, the attraction piece is something that we have to look more at the data when we get it all in. Mm. But I do believe that that's a major factor. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, this person might not want to have sex with you just because they're not attracted to you. We got like, to accept that. Right. We all get turned down, you know? You're right. Yeah. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: One more piece to speak on is uh, I'm recognizing... Two, another piece of data. This is actually a little bonus piece. Um, I see. So I started this podcast in 2017 because I saw that there were people who, after their herpes diagnosis, were expressing suicide ideation. Hmm. In previous surveys, I've asked about suicidation or suicidality after a diagnosis. This time, I asked about it before, and interesting about it's very close to 50/50
1: mm. people
0: who had suicidality before their diagnosis and after their diagnosis mm. so this is kind of like expanding into more of this like I'm um, I've said sexual health is mental health
1: mm. oh yeah absolutely
0: and how interconnected our identity is with our sexuality once you get that herpes diagnosis it's like you believe not only is your sex life over but your life is over because Mm. that was where your identity was so strongly tied to Mm. so looking at that statistic and now being able to speak to you know this identity component you know something that has been done so well like talk about sex down south right Mm -hmm. is seeing and stretching the idea of what your identity is in relation to your sexuality because I'll ask people all the time all right well what does sex mean to you what what did the relationship that you had to the person who might have exposed you to herpes mean to you and then we sort of trace that down to some underlying emotion or shame Mm -hmm. around sex or having to redefine sex Mm -hmm. and You know when people start to understand this is not all sex is. Right. We're we're talking about intercourse here. Right. And so being able to expand on that has been a very beautiful part of my own growth and experience, and what I try and pass on to people who might think their sex life is over Mm. just because they can't free, super freely, just hook Mm. up and not have these conversations anymore because of this thing that's in their in their Mm. subconscious. So uh that was very well put together about uh the pleasure safety component
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um i tried to i tried to close that loop with the identity piece but i think i might have gotten a little lost there y'all been listening long enough mm-hmm. um now I, I this to me is like the most important part of our conversation mm-hmm. uh kink as a treatment for trauma Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and here's why because Mm now oh i guess further expanding on what the point that i was just trying to make but felt like i couldn't um looking at sex outside of just intercourse i think that we have a very narrow view sometimes of what sex is Mm -hmm. we're actually talking about intercourse Mm -hmm. when i was in one of the workshops i heard honestly they say kink uh can be a treatment for trauma mm-hmm. can you speak to that from your experience and from the educator perspective
1: yeah absolutely i just taught um a, a, a group i o- had a group offering at a retreat called kink is a healing modality okay right and so <clears throat> and i think Rafaela also does um does this too um from, uh, healing no, from afrosexology, afrosexology. Mm-hmm. so Kink uh, can, can be uh, definitely a source of healing for people, especially who have, ex- who have experienced trauma. There has been more than one time where I have actually been able to help people transform their trauma. So actually it happened here in Portland. Um, oh, the last time I was in Portland, uh, what happened was I did a, we were doing lessons and I think I was doing the choking lesson and, um, uh, the person who wanted me to choke them, you know, had, um, uh, had some trauma around choking, but did not disclose that to me. And so after, you know, they, they demo and they were fine, you know, everything was, went fine. And after the demo, they came up to me and they said, you know, I had trauma around choking because, you know, when I was younger and the, I had some, you know, childhood, you know, sexual trauma, and um, but she was like you doing that so gently, just really kind of changed the way that I thought about, you know, choking and breath work and and you know kink, and it was really transformative for me. And so that's happened to me more than once. Another time happened to me at Sex Down South, like just the kink that. I'm implementing helps people to transform their trauma because they're relating it to whatever behavior act differently. They have a new memory and the memory is of someone who is safe, secure, who is helping them move through that trauma. It's, um, you know, Bianca Laureano said this best, like trauma, it's not enough to be trauma informed, right? It's, better to be able to transform someone's trauma. That is what we need because there's so much hurt in the world. Right? Um, and so kink, it can be a really great healing modality for um, uh, for healing different kinds of trauma. And um, I, I don't think it can be the only healing modality, but I think it can be very, very helpful healing modality, especially people who have suffered from childhood sexual trauma. Um, Because of the elements around consent, because of the elements around safety, security, having someone who is vetted and known and uh, someone you trust, um, you know, in a controlled environment, um, all of these things, I think, contribute to the fact that it can be a healing experience for someone
0: i like that you said controlled environment and mm. not necessarily safe environment that mm. was a very interesting word choice can mm. you expand on that what what do we mean controlled environment
1: yeah controlled environment meaning that there are there are rules safety precautions there's uh you know everything from a first aid kit to you know there are that everything is where you need it to be, right? Okay. Um, and then there's the the off, also the aftercare, right? So not Snacks. only the physical but the emotional aftercare, um, that's also a part of that experience. So, um, so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: thank you for those examples of uh, the choking for sure, because I think um, it helps to have some sort of pictures in mind of what that can look like, because I know that. What I've heard, and again, it's this is a potential um, mechanism for treating trauma and offering healing. It's not the mechanism for yes. treating and healing trauma, um, but yeah, a lot of times I've been with partners who've said I like this thing, and in like longer conversations, you mm-hmm. learn that there might have been some trauma around it. Mm-hmm. So. Being seen as someone who is controlled. (laughs) I was about
1: to say (laughs) But
0: giving them the control and the power to rewrite that story that was... that isn't their own story mm-hmm. that was forced upon them. Mm-hmm. Like to be able to rewrite that story with a new experience, that is sort of what the healing is. Is that in the ballpark?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like I think therapists have a, another, I think they call it like narrative therapy or something like that. Like who they try to like rewrite the story, but um, I think because therapists in kink are, I mean, lots of therapists are kinky, but like because the, the, there's so many different,
0: there's lines.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the lines. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think that aspect of it totally like you just said, it can really rewrite that story of what pleasure is and and, and taking your pleasure back. Right. In a sense of like. A lot of times people, when they reenact their kinks, it's because of, it might be because of the trauma they had, right? So for instance, I, had a, I have a friend who um, loves role play for that reason, right? Loves to role play, um, you know, daddy boy stuff, right? And <clears throat> it's a way of like, okay, I did experience this type of pleasure, but it was manipulated and coerced, right? But now as an adult, I can role play and I can take my b- power back in a consenting experience where I can receive that pleasure in a way that feels good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think something like that is really important for people and people should be able to get into it.
0: Um, a thought that you just sparked in me is sometimes people's trauma being linked to a turn on.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is that a thing?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, especially if it's something when you're younger, you know, you find uh, you, you're finding something pleasurable, your body responds in a pleasurable way. Um, but then maybe you realize like, oh, wait a minute, that was not that was inappropriate. Or there is other maybe there's some shame or there's some secrecy uh, attached to it. You know, I think that can be the uh, the, the the kicker. Right. The issue. Um, And so then when it's kind of, when it's as an adult, you know, kind of dealt with in a way that is um, sort of, you know, out in the open, I guess, for the most part between you and your whoever you're, you know, playing with, I think. You know. I can
0: yeah, that. I, I started laughing because I'm thinking about. It. I was like, oh, as I said that, I'm thinking about like the first sexual experiences that I've had, mm-hmm. and they like had to be sneaky and like quit get in, get out, mm-hmm. like anywhere we could get caught. Like there's something there. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. But also there are components of that, those first sexual experiences where I'm like, yeah, I didn't like that. I don't really care to do that. But I mean, as if that's something that I might not have liked, kink can be a way to rewrite the experience of what I think I don't like from those times. And maybe it can be something that is a turn on. Or I can learn that it's still not a turn on yeah. and decide, all right, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's as simple as that. Like, it's something that can be negotiated with partners. It's something... Kink it's, is it very self-reflective.
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you have to think of it. It's play, right? It's it's exploration. It's play. Um, and it's play with the taboo, right? It's play with. It's playing with the the secrecy. It's playing with the... Ooh, the, those shadow thoughts. It's you know, play with all of that.
0: Yeah. Oh. How are you on time? Uh,
1: I'm good.
0: Okay, cool. Uh, yes. Looking at it as a form of play, kink as a form of play. It, I, I think that people who, and tying this back to the content of the podcast, people who receive a herpes diagnosis lose that sense of being able to play.
1: Mm.
0: And being able to, you know, just dip your toe in to what play can now look like in the kiddie pool, right? Versus mm-hmm. you had a moment, what was that? Like you thought something. Go yeah. ahead. Because I'll ramble. If you, let me, <laughs> if you let me ramble, I will.
1: Go ahead. Well, I'm just thinking about how my mom raised me, Right. So my mom raised me in a way where she did not want me to be a teenage mom like she was, right? So what my she too. did Yeah, so what she did, she was like, "Okay, when you get horny, not if you get horny, when you get horny, this is what you do. You go to the store, you buy condoms." I mean, it was very hetero, you know, normative. But, you know, you go to the store, you buy condoms, you know, you use those condoms, you know. If you have a UTI, this is what it feels like. If you have a yeast infection, this is what it feels like. Um, if you have BV, this is what it smells like or whatever, you know what I mean? Like she gave me all of that information. So what she really was teaching me was around sexual responsibility and she always made it sound like it's just who we are. It's a part of our existence and it is a part of our play. She said, if you get horny, this is what you do. You you know
0: said when when you get,
1: yeah when you yeah, yeah sorry when you get horny this is what you do right and so I'm thinking like okay I've always gone into sexual situations of like okay I'm going into this situation who am I you know who am I playing with and also what are my particular needs right so I like to be fluid bonded. And so for me, it's like, okay, if I have a partner who has, um, you know, herpes or HPV or something like that, um, that is active, I have to think about, okay, well, what are the things that I need to do because I I might not be able to experience a fluid bonding time at this particular moment in time, right? Um, But it doesn't mean I shy away from being with them. So I think part of that is an ingrained piece of pleasure and joy and responsibility, uh, of taking responsibility of my own body.
0: Yeah. Uh, So much of that, what we're talking about in kink, has nothing to do with intercourse. And I'm having a little bit of an aha moment myself Mm -hmm. because this does make me think about how much of our existing sex education omits these very critical components Mm. that I've learned through kink. So when we talk about kink, being in these settings, what I've learned in queer spaces uh, is about consent, about boundary setting, boundary Mm. upholding, Mm -hmm. boundary honoring. And also, uh, if there is a violation, there's uh, some form of accountability mm-hmm. as you know a barrier to someone who might violate. Whereas you don't really have that in the vanilla world. Like mm-hmm. Somebody can do something wrong and then dip out and go do it to somebody else. Yes. Otherwise. In your local kink community, people know each other. Yeah, hour. We
1: report. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the seeking of support. I think I'm naming off mm-hmm. too many things.
1: It's but, okay. Uh, <laughs>
0: Being able to seek support in the event that consent or a boundary is violated. Absolutely. None of these things have anything to do with intercourse. These are all just navigating communication skills. And these Mm -hmm. are things that I believe that if in my, one of the talks that I've given was called sexless sex ed, teaching youth about sex without teaching youth about sex, without Mm -hmm. talking to youth about sex. Mm -hmm. And And now that I'm thinking about it, it was a lot of what I've learned from Kink and BDSM about negotiations. Mm -hmm. Before any play takes place, I want to know if this is a safe person. Mm -hmm. Here's what, you know, a consent violation looks like. Here's how we get consent. And it's Mm -hmm. like the rules of a game of tag at recess. Mm -hmm. Right? Don't touch me here. Don't Mm -hmm. hit me. Don't get my clothes dirty. Right. Step (laughs) out. You're out. If right. you're, attacked, you're it. <laughs> yeah. If you push me to the ground, I'm telling the teacher. Right. The consequences. Right? right. It's the same exact thing, yeah. and it has nothing to do with sex. And I think that if we are able to see these negotiation skills um, at a more universal basis, yes, I think that
1: we're getting there.
0: T- talk to me. What you mean?
1: Yeah. I think we're slowly getting there. And I think particularly with like vanilla and heterosexual audiences, we're getting there because um, I get sought out a lot in articles. And so sometimes yeah, they'll be about kink, but sometimes they're just regular stuff like, why is aftercare important for sex? And I'm like, oh, aftercare is entering like the vanilla sex world. Oh, this is fascinating, right? It's not just about like cuddling, right, and or talking. $20 on a where... night. <laughs> Here's your aftercare. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your dub. Defend it wisely. Good uh, no. you Get tile, clean yourself up. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all. So yeah, like thinking about how it's it slowly, like, I, I believe it's all of these kink principles, communication principles, like you said, are really kind of bleeding into the the world of um, of heteronormativity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, go for it. Um, I feel like i will put on the spot now since you got up. <laughs> I know, I know I can keep talking. I know how to keep talking, but I'm like, uh, uh-uh, uh, uh-uh. that was so unexpected. Uh, This is a really good point to um, revisit the survey, so if you haven't already, please visit www.spfpp.org survey and take the herpes survey. Please, if you are someone who is living with herpes, what we're doing with this data is we are going to figure out the best way to present this data and create resources stemming from the survey responses that we get. This survey was put together by people who have herpes, from people who have herpes, for people who have herpes. to be able to present out into the world of uh, healthcare providers, as well as uh, people in various support groups and communities for them to be able to use these as disclosure tools, as well as if they're newly diagnosed and don't really have any consistent, accurate resources that reflect our community as it exists today. So your participation is going toward being able to create those resources. And this is just like the minimum you can do to get involved, y'all. Let's just take this survey. We have IRB approval from Ohio Valley University. Megan, um, who is listed on the consent form, uh, put this together, made it legit. It's anonymous fully, so you are safe to uh, fill this out to the best of your ability, all right? Thank y'all, I need y'all to do that, please. Um, all right, so now you're back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Make
1: sure you give me that information. I can send it to my
0: email list. All right, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess just wrapping this all up, I think that we we covered everything that I wanted to cover, and I very much appreciate it. Uh, I guess, like, going back more into the, I guess my personal experience with Sex Down South, it was really what, the, there's a word. I, I gave a lap dance.
1: yeah! <laughs> I was so shocked. Okay.
0: Let
1: me tell you what happened.
0: Was it on video? Do we have video? We we do. Yes. Somebody sent me some video. I was like,
1: oh.
0: And I remember, because the young lady that I was with, I knew that she danced. I was like, oh, yeah, you should go up there and give a lap dance. Uh-huh. And then King, who was hosting, he was like, all right, yeah, make sure you bring your partner up here to give oh, a lap yeah. dance. Too. I was like, right. yeah. oh, you know, <laughs> sit on stage, sit down to get a lap dance. And he was like, all right, plot twist, y'all got a dance, too. You should have seen the look on my face. I went, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, well, we're yes. we here now. But got second place. So yeah, I ain't going to say how many people was in it. But second
1: place, <laughs> second place, second place still sounds
0: good. Um, these were great experiences to be in a dungeon. And one thing was I was able to ask for things and also get them. So, um, there was someone who was tying and suspending, and I'm very curious about tying people up. Mm -hmm. And so I asked, I was like, Hey, you May I watch and can you think out loud, like say what you're doing or why you're doing it Mm -hmm. so that I can like absorb this? And she was like, Yeah, I can do that. And then I checked with the person who's being tied to make sure that they were okay with me
1: (laughs) sitting sitting there like looking like I'm taking
0: notes, right? And uh, they were okay with it too. Um, But yeah, it was just so nice to be in a space where you can ask for a weird thing and i use air quotes when i say weird for anybody who um is only listening uh i use air quotes when i say weird because it's just out of the norm Mm -hmm. i guess and to also be in a space where it was safe to say no to things
1: Mm -hmm. as well
0: i think that as somebody who has experienced rejection Rejecting people Mm. is so hard. (laughs) And in these spaces you've you've managed to create a space where it's safe for you to not only ask for what you need and potentially get it, but also be able to turn down, you know, what's not there without the threat of violence or somebody fuck you today. Right.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Can you speak a little bit to that?
1: Yeah. Well, we created the conference really out of love, you know, we really, because we are all coming from different perspectives and we are a little bit of each of these things, right? Like I'm queer, she's not, you know, Um, you know, it's sort of like, I, you know, we're both like non-monogamous, but like I'm monogamous, you know, she's more polyamorous and, you know, um, so we really are just trying to give everybody just some grace around the thi- around the things, you know, just life be life in, you know, we have enough stress already in our lives. Like, let's just approach each other with love. And so that's why in our welcome, we always say, hey, you know, if you have a problem with something like state it you know but like come with love come with grace if someone misgenders you please come with love grace teach them right don't don't like harp on them don't get down on them you know we are all learning we're all learning about so many different things and if we just come together just on a fucking human level and help each other out Like we can do this together, you know, we can, you know, change the world in our little communities. And so um, I think it's just really important for us to really um, be consistent around the love and grace. And we're actually going to redo our guiding principles to include those things because a couple of things did pop up this past past, um, conference that i definitely don't approve of um, so we uh we really have to let people know that like this is not the space where you can like yell at people because you disagree with their politics or whatever like this is not the space and
0: so um and, and just to be clear like people who have different views are still in this space and coexisting Uh, and able to engage with each other it's not like everyone here has the same beliefs and you wear your beliefs on your heart right it's not like that
1: no no we all have different beliefs we all have different political views we all and that's okay you know you just like approach things with love if you don't understand something like approach it with like approach it with curiosity you know rather than hate or you know or just being harping on someone for something right Mm -hmm. um so we i think that's one of the key aspects of our conferences um and why people feel you know feel good enough to be like i can say no and i can also like i can also approach people and not feel like they're gonna like harp on me about something you know what i mean um and you know we we also express that like we, we um what do you call it um because we talk about intuition uh, consent being intuitive you know in our documents so it's like it's very important to us as black folks just we know when when we can touch or hug or you know like and, and maybe maybe you don't because you're neuro, neurodivergent that's okay that's okay. But that option is there for the people who are, you know, intuitive or empathic or whatever, right? And so I think it's just really important just to understand how people move in the world is is not so black and white mm-hmm. and and yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, this, this, I've been playing with this idea of intentional spaces and this very much aligns with being an intentional space, especially having created it out of love and, you know, understanding that there might be some mistakes made, but Mm -hmm. when the intention of it is coming from a place of love, we're able to communicate among one another, learn from one another, approach things with curiosity and be able to move forward, um, Best way possible. So um, I thank you for this healing space. Uh, speaking of healing space, I appreciate it. <laughs> the healing space. Yes, yeah, did I you go it. in? I
1: did, yeah. Oh, yeah, what did you do? So, I did. I got a
0: massage. Oh, that was so nice. I was oh, so, I got too. that as soon as I, I think yeah. I was the first person. Oh, yeah, to that. <laughs> I, I,
1: like, 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 I
0: was like, hold on, what? <laughs> so I got that. And then um, there was another time, so something came up uh and i was like man i'm having a weird thing and i didn't know what you know a weird feeling was so i was like well the resource is here let me utilize it mm-hmm. and i went and i recognized that coming out of the, the
1: emotional support yeah, the oh. emotional
0: support mm-hmm. so uh coming out of the uh worshiping a black man's body that space was just like intentionally for black men and it was like oh yeah i feel great in here mm-hmm. and like being surrounded by other black men and having this space that uh mango put together that was for us walking out of there and then like going back into the real world it was like oh shit back to reality like that mm-hmm. was just an hour of the day mm-hmm. where i was prioritized mm-hmm. in that way. and so i talked to uh one of the emotional support people and one of the things that he said was or like he just kind of let me share what i was feeling and then was like hey you can ask for what you need, cause my concern was, oh my God, am I gonna spend the rest of my life uh, getting addicted to chasing that feeling that I had in there? Mm. And what is that gonna look like? And he's like, hey, you can, you can be like, it's okay for you to have what you want. And I was like, oh, no one's ever said that to me, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or even, mm, mm. I, I've heard it before, but in different contexts. Yeah. Right? <laughs> different. right. And even then, I'm like. Oh. Are you sure about that? It doesn't feel safe. Like, yeah. So I was able to utilize that. And I think that being able to verbalize it in a space where it could be received allowed for me to walk out for the rest of the conference and like not have this pressure build up to where it was alleviating itself through like my behavior. Mm. or like going to try and... Uh, let's say if I were flogging someone, take out my frustration in mm. the flogging, right? So to be able to depressurize in that healing space, allow for me to just go out and continue to enjoy myself as I was enjoying myself. Yeah,
1: and so, ask for what you need,
0: like yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it became easy, but it's a practice, and you know, I it think is. asking for what you need is a practice, receiving is mm. a practice, showing up for mm-hmm. yourself, all of this is a practice. So. Uh yeah, this was really good timing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh I want to wrap up just leaving you the opportunity to let people know how they can connect with you and Sex Now South next year is in Jamaica.
1: No, it's in Atlanta. Wait, I think it was
0: in Jamaica. We what have a pop-up.
1: <laughs> 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 so we've been doing these pop-ups. Oh. Uh, so this is part of a project. I've been telling people. That's in Jamaica? That's <laughs> okay. It's always in Atlanta for 3 days um this is a new thing that we're doing in jamaica it's um so we so we've been doing these pop-ups we started in 2018 we did a pop-up in kansas city called sex in the middle and so we wanted to do 2019 didn't quite work out The pandemic hit um so then we came back for 2023 and we did uh sex by southwest um in tucson and then we did um sex on the beach in miami um and we're hoping to do maybe another one in december hopefully but um uh, these are part of our kind of new project Slay like Sexual Liberation Art and Education and basically they're kind of like mini Sex Down South and so it's just like a day long instead of three days long um, sort of short sentence just the education and sort of the party piece. Um, we tried to have like a healing space in Tucson but didn't necessarily didn't quite work out there but um, we did kind of have like a quiet space in Miami but um, we're still kind of working out all the little kind of Many details, but for the most part, we have Jamaica. That's going to be another pop up, and we kind of just kind of, you know, it's really Tia. She was like, I want to like a luxury, you know. We want she she has been yeah <laughs> she been wanting to go to hedonism, you know what I mean? So she was like, let me let's do hedonism, and so we um are planning we're doing that in June, and then we're also planning on doing a few other pop ups. Uh, so we might do again in Miami because Tia really loves Miami um we're gonna do one in la um that will be earlier in the year and then we'll do one in houston i think houston yeah um because we sent out a survey yeah we sent out a survey and be like where do people where do people want to go and so houston was another choice that people picked so um so those are on, on our planning calendars for next year. So we'll see what happens with Amazing. that and see if we can get some funding.
0: Uh-huh. Um, is it just sdcon.com, what's the website?
1: Oh, our web, our website is sexdownsouth.com.
0: Sexdownsouth.com.
1: Yeah, and okay. so yeah, you can reach us at SDSCon on Instagram and TikTok, and then um, Down South on Facebook and Twitter. And then we also, uh, and then you can reach me, velvetlipsexed.com, and at velvetlipsexed on every platform with sex without the E um, uh, on every social media platform. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, well Marla, this was wonderful. I so appreciate you being flexible. We had the podcast. I straight got ghosted. I got ghosted <laughs> in my living situation <laughs> last September. I got ghosted for the podcast recording space that I paid for, but I was able to dispute the charge on my credit card because this lady ain't even called me back. Let me. I'm gonna look at my notifications and see if she. She ain't even called me back. Hey Courtney. She texted me twenty four minutes ago. It we reserved the space for five o'clock. She texted wow. me at six thirty, y'all. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm just I just want my money back. I'm gonna just <laughs> ask for my money back and we're gonna leave it at that. I'm not gonna leave a bad review. I wanna support small businesses. <laughs> I've been there. I, I get it. I get it, I get it. But ain't nobody show up for twenty minutes and I'm just now hearing back an yeah, hour 30 after minutes. we left. Yeah.
1: <sighs> yeah.
0: All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive (laughs) People. Please like, rate, review, share, subscribe to the podcast on all listening platforms. You can always donate at www.spfpp.org to support our advocacy efforts to integrate the lived experiences of people who have navigated an STI diagnosis into sex education resources in order to aid our STI prevention or STI minimization. Damn, I was doing so good. (laughs) STI minimization um inter intervention program mm. jesus <laughs> all right um yeah patreon www.patreon.com slash spfpp the survey is live um and we have events that are going to be coming up so if you visit spfpp.org go to the events tab you'll see support groups coming up and some other exciting upcoming events if we have any workshops that are coming up you'll see those there and again i want to thank our guest Marla Stewart here today. Uh, Please check out sexdownsouth.com. And if you can make it, I hope to be able to see you out there next year. I'll be there. Till next time.